Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 25. 25, that's a quarter of 100. This is insane. Of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Thank you guys so much for deciding to spend Friday evening with us. We have a wonderful show tonight, but let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, my main man, TopLobster.com. For all your wonderful graphic needs, uh, also use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. You can get this awesome Scott Horton in the Wars shirt that he uh, he uh, made a couple months ago. He's got amazing gear. Definitely check it out. And AnthemPlanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. They're doing a job that the government sucks at. They're amazing. They're definitely cheaper. Obviously more efficient if you're having emergency or crisis needs at your business or personal use please check out anthemplanning.com. All right. So like I said, we got a cool show tonight. We have a very good friend of mine, Patrick Smith. He is uh, the host of Disenthrall, the host of Anarchcast. He's been a big figure at Anarcho Poco for years and years and years, and he is just an all-around wonderful guy. Everyone say hello to Patrick Smith. How are you doing today, sir? What up, man? It's good to be here. I'm doing pretty freaking awesome. I just want everyone to know that we did not coordinate colors tonight. We were both wearing red, but it wasn't on purpose. Oh, sh- I didn't realize our shirts, too. <laughs> and he's got, got that- like the 80s retro look. And dude, what the hell? Hell yeah, man. You got that that cool like synth wave and- branding. You got my last name. Yes. What the fuck are you doing? Dude, we're, we were we were meant to be, Patrick. We were meant to be. Uh, so for for those that don't know, Patrick's Patrick's been a really good friend of me when I ha- when I was down in the dumps. Patrick let me come and stay at his studio for about ten days uh, in Texas, and uh, and he also let me debate a terrible socialist communist from his amazing studio. He's got one of the best studios I've ever seen in my life. He he prepped me he for the debate. Tra- <laughs> it was great. Well, once he started rolling his eyes at me, I knew the debate was over. That was it. We won. <laughs> and I had I had uh, debate prep with the greatest, one of the greatest like anarchists I know, man. So uh, why don't we talk about that a little bit, Patrick? You you are you are a very consistent, very principled anarchist. Why anarchy, man? Uh, why anarchy? Because it's the only consistent, non-arbitrary, moral way to live. It's it it's live and let live. It's uh, anything else is uh, a contradiction, and contradictions do not exist in reality, only in people's minds. Sure. How about that? How was yeah. that for an answer? That was a good answer, dude. It's true. You know, I I, I like to fancy myself an anarchist. I know some of you guys would probably disagree because I work with the libertarian party, as you like to call it. But uh, but I you know deep down inside, I promise you, there's a principled anarchist in there somewhere. I promise. <laughs> I I wouldn't say you're not an anarchist just because you sully yourself with the party. <laughs> I mean, I sully myself with the party myself. You know, I ran for not governor what three years ago. I might do it again uh, here in a year. We'll see how it goes. Are you, and, think, are you thinking about doing it, man? Again, that'd be great. Oh yeah, sure. Why not? Like I, I dude, I got so much good out of it, and uh, you know, I woke some people up that wouldn't have been woken up otherwise. And I mean, I'm making the arguments for the party right now, but honestly, like. Just existing in that space and saying like, hey, guys, don't forget, this is the libertarian principle. Don't don't let that slip away from you when you're getting caught up in these fights over the political process and and the delegates and the bullshit. Like all of that is 
should be secondary and so far away from your your mind when you're doing this stuff. It's all about making connections with people and talking about the principles. And if if that's what you're doing in the party, then you're you are you are doing more as an anarchist than most anarchists. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I you know I I actually heard this from Larry Sharp, if you can believe it, but he he said that anarchists should be our north star in the Libertarian Party, and I totally agree. I think that's exactly what it is. I mean we're we're all heading the same direction. We all want to. We all want to either roll back the size and scope of an intrusive government, or we want to completely abolish it and get rid of it completely. And so, uh, why wouldn't we use that guiding light and uh, and take the trip together, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. As long as as long as you don't stop calling a spade a spade for the purposes of linking arms with people that have it wrong, that's fine. Like you can, I can be friends with people that are wrong, man. You know, like. It's like it, you want to be more free than you are now. Cool. Well, we can be friends. You're wrong, but you know, you know what I mean. Like you can say that, and you know, I I expect friends of mine to tell me when I'm wrong, and so I I see that as a form of showing respect, not not a weakness or you know a disrespect. Like people talk about like like the libertarian infighting, like it's a bad thing. I'm like, no. Do you understand? Like that's what makes libertarians more right than anybody else because they take the time to debate the principles. If you're not debating the principles, you're not improving on them. And if you're not improving on them, go be a goddamn Republican. Like they haven't changed ever. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And and I don't disagree with you. I think those four. Can we cuss on the show? I should have asked you that. This is not family friendly at all. You're totally cool. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But I, I, I agree. So like, so, so here's the thing. There's, there's two different, for me in the party, in the party, there's two different kinds of of infighting, right? There's like the the good infighting. I mean, there's the philosophical. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Can I? Can I? Sorry to interrupt. I I want that to pick. I want that to catch on. Calling it the party. The party. Because I think libertarian should have a healthy disrespect for political processes. Like it should be a constant thing in the back of your mind that like this political garbage. We're just doing that to reach more people. That should be that should be the mindset. And calling it the party is what like it, it's just a constant reminder of yeah yeah I know I hang out here, but only because I'm trying to you know wake more people up. You know that sure. that that's anyway. I hope it catches on. Sorry. No, it, and it's it, I say it a lot, but I also say it when I say society. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I do yeah. it with society yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's I think it's great. I think I think we should be using that. But but there's two distinct kind of infightings in the in in the libertarian movement as a whole, and definitely the libertarian party. There's the philosophical debate. That's a good thing. We should have that. It's healthy. It helps us grow our philosophy. It helps us grow in our own principles. And then there's shitheads who go after your family and all kinds of different shit. Those people, fuck them. They can they can leave. Uh, I don't care about them. But. uh, Who, I mean, who, let's talk, let's talk about some philosophy. Who, who are the people that shaped your beliefs? How did you come to this, this like really, you know, uh, staunch anarchist place? What is, what does staunch mean? I don't, I don't know. It like you're, you're my goal isn't to be staunch. My goal is to be consistent. That's sure. all. Well, that's like, the same. It's almost the I, same thing. Staunch is, staunch means un, un, uh, unwilling to change your, your position. You know what I mean? I've changed my positions all the time, like to get where I am, like hundreds of times. So anyway, I don't know. See, this is you. You invite a philosopher on your show and we're going to get pedantic. I I can't (laughs) help it. It's who I am. It's who I am. Uh, (laughs) um, 
Wow. Okay. So originally it would have been the framers of the Constitution, the founding fathers. That's another one I say like that, by the way. It works. It works. The founding fathers of the of the country, uh, because they were, uh, in many ways, I, I was coming from a Republican side. They were in many ways philosopher kings, just to sort of turn that phrase, right? They were well educated enough in political philosophy and in moral philosophy to at least make a major, major leap forward in governance technology. I think of government as a technology that's improving over time. And by improving, I mean dying. So um, they they attempted to send it off in a new and much more limited direction than it had ever been before. And so when I went looking for the source, the magic source of the government power, of the authority of the police, right? When I went looking for that source, I naturally went straight to the Constitution. I went straight to the Articles of uh, Confederate uh, of the, the Articles of uh, Confederation. Federation, thank you. And, uh, and and then I learned the source material that the Founding Fathers read from, which got me straight into the, the Stoics and going all the way back to uh, Aristotle sure. and the, the people that influenced them. And, you know, of course, along the way, I realized, oh, there is actually no magic source of authority. It's all garbage. Uh, and so I guess my first influence would have been the Founding Fathers. My second influence would have been some anarchists like uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who is uh, is he would not call himself an anarchist uh, terribly loudly publicly, but he'll say that he is the most most Rothbardian guy in the room, which is kind of saying the same thing while getting to uh, keep getting asked to come on Fox News for interviews, <laughs> which makes sense. Sure. Uh, he, was a, he was a big early influence. Uh, Molyneux, uh, old school Molyneux, I, I have to clarify, was a big influence. Uh, he's got a lot of great content um, seven years ago and, and backwards. Um, yeah. So... Nice. Those are those are some of my main main influences uh, early on. Nice. Well, and I also uh, I I noticed in your studio you have a nice picture of Lysander Spooner. Mm. So I I I'd have to imagine that uh, at some point your views of the Constitution did change over time. <laughs> it was a very specific moment that I will never ever forget. I was on a plane flying for business. Um, I was a CTO of a company in the power sports space at the time, and I was flying to some dealership group that we were trying to get to get in business with us. And and um, I was on the plane. I had my Kindle out, and I was just kicked back, just sort of enjoying my my trip. And uh, and I just started reading Spooner. And you know, he utterly and completely destroys any foundations of the validity of the authority of the Constitution. And I remember there was one point. Uh, you know, when I hit the line, the Constitution, be it one thing or another, uh, it is either enable the government such as we have had or it has been powerless to prevent it. And it was just I, I remember it was like an out of body moment in the plane flying through the sky at 30,000 feet or whatever. Like my mouth just dropped open and I sat up and I just realized like I have a piece of knowledge and perspective on the world that almost no one in, in this aluminum tube has and uh holy shit everyone needs to realize this and yeah that that was a big moment i'll never forget it i can yeah. I, I can only imagine lysander spooner was definitely one of those ones for me where it was like holy shit everything i know is wrong <laughs> yeah. um yeah if you and if you want the audiobook i did the whole audiobook on my channel oh so did it's, you it's all there if you want. Oh, yep. I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out i know you've been doing a lot what other audiobooks you've done a few of them right 
Ooh, like seven now. I did uh, Jeff Berwick's recent book, uh, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Uh, that just hit Audible. Um, I've done um, Unschool Yourself First by Mark Beaumont, an unschooling book. I uh, did Lysander Spooner. I did uh, Arguments for Liberty, which is a really interesting book where it examines like nine different moral philosophies in depth and how they can be made to support libertarian sort of conclusions. And it goes through everything from Rawlsianism to contractarianism to natural law theory. Uh, and, and each one is by a different author. And I did that audiobook. It was really informative. If anybody wants to like get their toes wet in philosophy and moral philosophy in general, that's probably a cool place to start, especially if you're if you're libertarian minded. Some of them are pretty twisted. Uh, they, like they really have to like Rawlsianism is basically socialism and they manage they try and twist the moral philosophy to justify libertarianism. It just it just fails. But hey, at least they tried. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a super chat from Robert. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to butcher this last name. Robert Brat Tescu who said, uh, Patrick turned me to anarchism months ago after seeing a video of him smashing Yaron Brooks, uh, Brooks's position on Hiroshima. It all made sense after that. Thank you. Uh, and what? Go ahead. Oh, and just, just to build on that, uh, I've been seeing Yaron's name everywhere recently. People are smashing him all over online. Uh, he, he like, not in a good way. Yeah. Not in the good way. And I, and I remember like, like it had to be, I don't know, 10 years ago. I liked yarn stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like I liked his content. He's like an uh, Ayn Randian guy, right? Like, I mean, that's where he comes from. He is chair chairman of the Ayn Rand right. Institute. Right. Yeah. He's a very, very dude. I've sung his praises so many times. I've probably got seven videos on my disenthrall channel where I've, I've done nothing but spend the first 10 minutes of the video saying how much I respect the guy and love dude. If you want to see a debate, capitalism versus socialism, Look up Yaron Brooks' material. He's one of the best defenders and uh, apologists for capitalism in the entire world. Really, really intelligent, sharp guy who's just got this thick-ass blind spot to the word anarchy. Yeah. Like, it's just, it is not there. I mean, it wasn't there for Rand either. So it kind of makes sense that he's in line with uh, Rand's hatred of it. Like, she kicked Rothbard out of her quote-unquote inner circle or whatever oh, yeah. back in the day. But, uh Yeah. Yeah, she yeah she she was not a big fan of the anarcho capitalists. Uh, that is for yep. damn sure, and she definitely didn't like the libertarians almost at all. Um, a, a funny story. I actually I interviewed Walter Block um, several years ago. I don't know, two thousand and fourteen or something for Think Liberty when we first started Think Liberty, and I didn't know this at the time, but he was uh, in college with Bernie Sanders. They yeah, were, they were like college. Yep. They were on like the track team together, and. And Walter uh, went to some luncheon that, and he went up to this capitalist late or this this lady who was a, a capitalist uh, fanatic and asked her if he if she would debate him, and it happened to be Ayn yep. Rand. And I just thought that, yep. that was one of the coolest fucking stories I'd ever heard in my life. I'm like, dude, Walter Block is hanging out with Bernie Sanders. They're on the track team together in college. He's at a luncheon. He walks up and tries to debate Ayn Rand. I'm like, how it couldn't get any more perfect than that. And now he's like a great anarchist philosopher, right? It's the it's the best ever. Like like our origin stories. I'm like, yeah, this guy, that guy influenced me. Molyneux, blah blah blah. He's like, Ayn goddamn Rand influenced me. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, yeah. Well, Ayn Rand basically okay. smacked me down at a luncheon after I was yeah. hanging out with Bernie Sanders and trying to be a communist. I'm just like, okay, well now now we know why you're so extreme. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, Ayn Rand is, a, is is what is an amazing thinker, and as a moral philosopher, she's done a huge amount of work. I think the foundation is slightly flawed, but like there are certain moral philosophies. There are certain philosophies in general, like Stoicism is a great example of this, where the from first principles thing might have a flaw, but look, the rest, the entire rest of the body of the philosophy is so useful in day to day life that I mean, it's just mad. It's it's just you have to respect them so much for that work. So much so that, I mean, Atlas Shrugged changed my life to the point where, you know, my kids' names are yeah. Atlas and Dagny. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed of that. Like that book changed. It was one of the few books that just totally changes how you see and live the rest of your life. And she would probably fucking hate that an anarchist is such a fan of her. Yeah. But, you know, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always funny to me because – you know, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I haven't read a lot of Ayn Rand. It wasn't, it wasn't one of my big influences to come into, to where I'm at. Um, I probably should, yeah. I probably should, uh, re, you know, at least read Atlas Shrugged. Uh, but it's funny because anytime I'm in any kind of internet debate, you know, you know, the internet debates, right. Uh, where yeah. someone's like a socialist or a communist or something, they're like, Oh, why don't you go jerk off to Ayn Rand and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't even read Ayn Rand, dude. Have you I ever... just might. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Ooh, yuck. Uh, uh, quest, quest fanning. Thank you for the super that, chat. He says, does Patrick, smoky vixen. Yeah. Uh, he says, does Patrick have a Twitter handle? He does. It's at not governor. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Because yeah. he he ran for not governor, uh, and that was 2018, right? Yeah. Because yep. I saw your speech mm -hmm. at the Texas State Convention, man, and I was that was the first I had ever heard of you, and I was extremely yep. impressed. The speech was amazing. Well, I, I I mean, I was like telling people to vote for you. So I didn't even know who I you was were. Well, not to. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. I heard it. I was like, just just imagine this guy in a debate with the Texas governor. This is going to be amazing. We need to do this. This needs to happen. But nobody I listens to me. I tried. I was too too libertarian for the Libertarian Party. Yeah, it's definitely the Texas Party. If you were in like New Hampshire or like uh, Connecticut or the uh, the new uh, Nevada State Party, I don't know if you've heard this. Um, Nevada. No, so Nevada is 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 known as the worst state affiliate uh, for Libertarian parties for years because they're I, somehow the. Um, the libertarian party there was overtaken by basically like super woke kind of leftist libertarians. Right. And years ago, and this is a place where Ron Paul did some of his best work as far as elections go. Um, okay. and, and then they, you know, about a, a couple of years ago, they were just on the train started really going after people like Tom Woods and Eric July and, um, Dave Smith and all these people, you know, um, and, uh, they actually had an entire week, that they dedicated to shitting on Ron Paul. And I'm going, you guys live in a place where there's a lot of people who want freedom. It's Nevada. Yep. You know what I mean? We got Las Vegas. We got Reno. We got Tahoe. Everybody outside of there lives in the middle of fucking nowhere and wants the government to leave them alone. And that's why Ron mm -hmm. Paul did so well there. And you're going to take a week to shit publicly on Ron Paul and expect your party to grow. So, you know, <laughs> I know I know that you have your own feelings about... Uh, about um, the Mises caucus, but the Mises caucus has been, uh, organizing state, uh, you know, state of, uh, state affiliates for the caucus nationwide. And so they walked in to their state convention and took every single officer position for the, for the state party. That's awesome. Yeah. No, no like I, I, I don't have as strong of feelings as, it, as you might think I do about the Mises caucus. It, sure. I, 
I, I had an encounter with them when I was uh, seeking their nomination and, um, I, I know that there was some politics going on in their group that prevented that from happening. So, you know, it just it confirms the the realization that, look, a lot, a lot of it's just politics. That's how politics is played. And even the people that claim to sort of be principled before politics, well, they probably still play some politics, too. You know, see, see I swear that we endorsed you. I'm all, I see. I thought the national the national Mises caucus. I thought we endorsed you because I remember like pushing to, for your endorsement. Like I, I'm almost positive while I was in Texas. And I thought we did, but maybe I'm not, didn't. I'm not buttered by it. Believe me, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I don't have well, hard I am. feelings. I am. Okay. 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 <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, man. Like next time, though, the Mises Cox is going to have to seek my endorsement. That's that's all I'm saying. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Why? why they better. <laughs> they better, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just, man, I'm I was just gonna, playing. I was going to ask you. So <clears throat> you do a lot. You talk. You, you have done a lot of the candles in the dark stuff with, with Larkin Rose. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, you were nice enough to host and moderate a debate between myself and Larkin Rose a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think, you know, I think good things about Larkin Rose. I really like him. You know, we, we disagree on a few little things, but for the most part, we agree on a lot. Um, yeah. but you're, you're really big on how, how we move society and society into a direction that, uh, is more is more libertarian. Yes, or, you're doing that too, yeah, by the way, it works. I, I, taxing that, yeah, yeah that's it good. works. It works. Uh, you know, it's the royal decree, society, and and the the yeah. social contract. And so, um, I don't do a good British voice or accent. I I know, I get it. Um, but uh, what do you think? I mean, how do we start taking this this just shithole of a society? Uh, into a direction that is is more libertarian and and more free, man. I mean, is it you know? It's I know you're not a huge fan of party politics, but what do we do? How do we how do we start moving that way? I think we begin with ourselves, man. Like it, no one's going to want to follow you if you don't have your shit together. If you're a raving lunatic, if you're uh, if if you're an asshole, if if you are just a generally broken person that isn't going anywhere in life, like if if we as individuals get our shit together, become like hyper, like like be a be a, own a business, be a productive person, have a trade that you're really good at, have a skill, make some money, be successful, create something in life. And you know, be a good person, live live by your principles that you espouse. That will make people more interested in the other things that you believe. And that will make people want to know, hey, what makes this guy tick? And that's your opportunity to say, hey, it's the live and let live. It's the non-aggression principle. It's like, I want you to live your life and be as happy as and successful and to do whatever you want to do with your life. And I want and I demand and I expect that you return the same respect to me. It's 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 about us first as individuals. No one you're not changing the world until you clean your own room, says Jordan Peterson. Oh, but no, I, do I need to pull yeah. out my Jordan Peterson book? I got one back here. You have <laughs> it? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That's um, no, it's it's yeah. like clean the room inside here first. Nice. Yeah. And then I actually have not read that yet. I need to. You should. Um, yeah. Like work on yourself first. Be a good person on your own. Be happy. Be fulfilled. Be successful. Be productive on your own first. And the world will want to follow you. That's that's step one. I agree. I agree. And and I, I I'm living that right now. Like I when I set out on this mission uh, in 2017 to become the chair of the Libertarian Party, uh, I yes. I 
you know, I never actually thought anybody was going to take me seriously. You know, I, yeah. I, I did it as a challenge to Nick Sarwark because I thought he was a shithead and he was fucking up the, the name Liberty in this country. Right. And so, um, <laughs> hold on. I, I have a meme for this. I have a meme for this. Hopefully the audio will play. Uh-oh. Hold on. Hold on. Did you get the audio? I did, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Please continue. Okay. Yeah, yeah anyways. So <laughs> I got your audio and I hit the Fuentes button for all the losers. Uh, so, so I'm – yeah, so here's the thing. I – I ran as a challenge uh, to Nick Sarwar because I thought he was he was really fucking up the, the name libertarian for sure in this country. And yeah. I had I had this talk with Tom Woods when I was on a show I think the first or second time. I said uh, he he said you know if 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 there's gonna be a political party in this country that uses the name libertarian, then the, the the chair of that damn party better damn well be the most principled libertarian that you can get there because that's when when the majority of the and we talked about this in the debate when the majority of the normies in this country think of the word libertarian, they automatically yeah. think of this, this, this party and not the great philosophers and the great think tanks and stuff like that. Unfortunate as it is, it's true. And so, yeah. um, so I set out on this as a challenge. I didn't think it would ever take off. And the more I became successful in my personal life, the more I became successful creating a movement. And that is, you know, what you just said is probably one of the most true things I've ever heard. No one wanted to listen to me in the beginning because I wasn't that successful. I didn't know what I was doing. People didn't know who I was. But as I got more successful in my personal life, my influence grew on the movement. Mm -hmm. And now I have a, a nice platform that I can use for good things and to try and create more freedom in this country. And so I, I agree. I think that I don't think there's much, uh, I don't think there's a better starting step. It's also um, a point of stoicism to realize just how little power each of us individually have to really move the needle on the world scale. We can almost do nothing. Even somebody with a massive show can barely nudge the needle in one direction or, or, or another. And um, it's good. It's healthy to realize that. Like you have almost no power. I have almost no power to move the needle on the world stage. But I have a massive, large capacity to move the needle on in my life and in my family's life and in my immediate circle of friends' life. And you do that by working on yourself and helping the people that are worth it that, and bringing the good people closer to you and getting rid of the bad people, the toxic people, the haters. Just get rid of those people. They're literally not worth your lifespan. And uh, that's where you have the most leverage. That's where you can actually make a difference in the world. And all we got to do is just get all the libertarians to do that and think of all those circles of people around the world that will be improved by that and we'll have somebody to look up to and sure. and want to be like. It's like like and this is not to hate on homeless people because there's a lot of very valid reasons why people are homeless. So that's not what what I'm intending to do here. Um certainly like state aggression makes a lot of people homeless with the drug war and things like that. So don't take this. That is not my intent to hate on them. I'm just using it as an example. If you're walking down the street and a homeless guy that clearly has, hasn't had a job, can't hold a job, whatever, starts trying to give you life advice. Are you going to, are you going to care at all? Like about what he's going to tell you, you need to be doing with your life. No, it's like, dude, you need to get your shit together before you tell me what I need to do with my shit. Well, that's kind of the same thing. Make sure that you're being productive, successful, affl you know, um, um, yeah, I've already said it. I'm not going to keep repeating myself. But no, yeah, absolutely. you got you to gotta be somebody that people will want to be like. 
to change the world. That's what I'm saying. It's true. It's true. And then it's a domino effect uh, through your community, yep. and uh, that community spreads to other communities. And before you know it, we are uh, we are rid of the federal government. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks to uh, that's step two, right? What? Yeah, step, <laughs> that's two. step two. That's step. That's can the, tell? Step two. No step. government. Yeah, yeah. The next step. We hit the Rothbard button. That's the next step. <laughs> yeah. Boop. Uh, we got another super chat from Phobes. Uh, said, "So good to see Patrick putting his arse where his mouth is." Oh, geez, thanks, Phobes. <laughs> that's a that's a meme from my show. Oh, is it? Uh, is it? What is it? Phobes is a Phobes is a, a supporter of uh, my platforms. He's a great guy. Nice, nice. I want to I want to nice. shout out to your first super chatter, the one that says that um, he saw my video about um, uh, taking down Yaron Brook for his stance on Hiroshima, being yeah, pro Robert New Brasco. King Hiroshima. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Whoever contact me on any on any any of my socials, any of my platforms. I want to hear your story, where you came from, and I would love to hear more about the impact that video had on you. I love. It's so rare to get feedback from from people like that. So, sure. thank you. Sure. Yeah, we can. Uh, we could. I mean, we could talk about your you're on more if you wanted to, man. I, he's been. I, from what I understand, he's been pretty shitty on this uh, this COVID tyranny, man. He has. Yeah, oh, I, I followed him. Yeah. That's that's what I heard somebody. Uh, that's what I heard someone talking about the other day that he was. I, I really? haven't actually seen his his posts. I haven't followed him in a while, but I heard that he was uh, he was kind of stumping for for. I remember if it was the the V words or the uh, or the the lockdowns or one of one of those things. But I'm like, what? The, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I won't I won't say it's truth until I I fact check it myself. You know what I mean? I'd be surprised with what I know of Iran. I would be surprised that that was. And, and that's coming from somebody that has had a fight with him recently, but I still respect the guy. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would be surprised. So, uh, you know, you obviously have a pretty cool background there. Uh, mm, yeah. lo- lockdowns are economic terrorism, and I agree fully. Mm. Uh, wh- why? Why are they economic terrorism? This is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is terrorism? Terrorism is, uh, you know, using force and coercion, threats of violence and violence to affect political change. What has the government done with using COVID as an excuse? Well, they've used uh, coercion, threats of violence and and actual violence when necessary to control literally every business owner's private property in the entire country to one degree or another, depending on the state and city and, and whatever laws. It hasn't mostly been national, but, you know, the national just gives the recommendations and all this all the states goose step in line behind them. Um, and then the hospitals do do the same. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? That's their... Uh, yeah. Their... Yeah, and the reason why I, I call it economic terrorism instead of just actual, just like straight up terrorism with no adjectives is because they're they're not trying to affect political change with it. They're trying, they're effectively destroying people's lives, destroying people's businesses, uh, destroying people's property and bank accounts and retirement plans and well, and actually their lives. Like um, I've heard of several people now who have tragically uh, ended themselves um, after suffering mental effects. Uh, I, I'm trying not to say certain words because I know that you're still uh, on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. But you know, they've uh, <laughs> they've um, it has it's ha- it's had real victims. So not just it's not really economic terrorism anymore. It's just straight up terrorism. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I I don't disagree with you. And and the loss of the loss of human life is is huge. 
from the lockdowns. Um, and I, I had yeah. uh, this 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 week. I had um, Drew Cook from the the Clean Libertarian podcast, who ha- runs an entire podcast um, uh, about recovery and libertarianism. Right, he's a recovering drug addict, and uh, and it's actually affected drug like addicts recoveries because you know you can't have these meetings you can't yeah i mean and so the uh he 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 gave me the exact number but it was very high overdose death rate uh compared to the last couple years because of these lockdowns that blew my mind um and then i was reading online today get this shit okay so we're libertarians uh we have a lot of these weird libertarians that stump for a ubi right universal basic income for those people who don't know they want you know there's some people that think it should come from a land value tax i'm like yo dude listen you're a communist but they don't listen um those are in those are what i call inconsistent libertarians hi kids do you like violence are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants if so then come join me dan smots on the system is down where we get weird have fun and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies politics religion culture current events and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the thanksgiving dinner table and i know that reality is scary to some people so if you're easily offended just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever but if you're ready to change the world for the better come join me on the system is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over Correct. And they, notice that I didn't say those are not libertarians because I hate it when people do that. That's messy language that just starts fights. But anyway, we can talk about that afterwards. Go ahead. Sure. So, so, <laughs> yeah. So there. So this is the funny thing, right? So, um, uh, there's a lot of wannabe libertarians that stump for this UBI premise. Well, the COVID lockdowns, the government shut everything down, right, and started giving everybody a ton of money. I mean, when I moved to Iowa, I was on unemployment for like one month. And they were depositing like twenty two hundred dollars every two weeks into my account. It was insane. It was like, it's 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 like, why would you want to go back to work, right? And so yep. they they just put out some figures. Uh, the national unemployment out of like twenty two million people, uh, like one point eight million of them are currently looking for jobs because no, nobody wants to go back to work. And that is one that if anybody is still asking for a UBI after this, that's what's going to happen when we have a UBI. There's not going to be any more factory work. People won't go become productive artists and yeah. musicians. Shocking, change the world. Right? Yeah, we're not going to have we're not going to have the 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 mill workers and the factory workers and the restaurant workers and it, the 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 customer service industry will be dead. It'll be done, yep. completely over. You will have to cook every single meal that you want to eat for for the rest of your life. I hope you understand <laughs> that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just it was bizarre to read because I'm like I'm like man, there's these people stumping for a UBI, and this is what happens when you put out a UBI. People don't want to work no more, you know. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so you know they're communists. They call themselves libertarians, but they're communists. We I, I debated one at your house once. Yeah, yeah. He called himself a socialist, a libertarian socialist, but it's just a a messy word for commie. Like you know, yeah. Um, yeah. You uh you put out a pretty cool video from the 2018 uh uh national convention that I was running for chair at. Um at the time you were you were got a little upset with me because I I tried to work on this like unity thing, right? 
Um, but then once they came back with, so at first it was like a, it was pretty, you know, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Property's good. Okay. I like this. Whatever. Oh, Do you remember that? Is this pretty? Yeah. The bottom community me- thing. And so, okay. and so I, uh, when they came back to me the, the last time with this last edit, I was like, oh no, I don't support that. Right. And then yeah. they put out this video of me saying that I supported it, but it was like in the very beginning or something. And it had my name on it. See, Joshua Smith signed this. And so, yeah. so you and I kind of talked about it a little bit. So you already understood that I didn't, I never, I never supported that final edit that they put in. Um, but yes, I understood. Yep. Let's talk about bottom unity, man. Why don't, why, okay. why shouldn't, uh, you know, the anarcho-capitalists and, and, and minarchists, uh, why shouldn't they ally themselves with other anarcho, uh, sorry, quote, unquote, other anarcho people? Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll lead with something spicy and then if anybody disagrees, they're welcome to challenge in the comments, I guess. But, um, I would, I would tell you with a straight face that anarcho-capitalism is the only anarchism and anarcho-capitalism is libertarianism, consistent libertarianism. Um, when you ally with people that have a fundamental core disagreement with your ability to lead your life in a peaceful way by labeling things that you do with yourself and your property that you rightfully own as an aggression that is incompatible and these people are a threat and this is a this is a large topic that the headline is going to leave a lot of blanks in that that need to be talked through so ask questions if you want but um there are two types of kami one kami is the type that really is live and let live and they just want to go and and be happy living on like a commune or, you know, uh, one of the little private societies where they share communally in the resources and in the work and in the, the rewards of that work. And that is just fine. I call that weird capitalism because there's nothing uncapitalistic about sharing the ownership of property. I, so that's why I call it weird capitalism. The difference between what that, that type of commie and an actual commie is that an actual commie disrespects property specifically what they call private property. I've stopped saying the word private property because that's their word for a certain subset of property that they've deemed invalid. Those are the actual threats. Those are the people you cannot coexist with because they will come and take your shit or destroy it or attack you over it when they decide that they need it bad enough. Those are the type of people you don't unify with. You don't stand shoulder to shoulder with somebody that will put a knife in your back uh, in the future at a time of their choosing when it seems convenient and expedient to do so. That That's dangerous, number one. It's two, bad strategy because not everybody in this world is dumb enough to think communism isn't the philosophy of death. A lot of people are still awake to the real body count behind communism. And if they see you standing next to and linking arms and working together with a a freaking communist, then you're going to lose an entire swath of educated people that are awake to the evils and body count of that ideology. So that's reason number two, that it's, it's a bad, it's a bad tactic. It's a bad strategy. Um, so it's dangerous. You're, you don't want to stand next to bad people because you'll lose um, access to a whole group of people that you need to convince and wake up to liberty. Um, also, it's gross. 
that's that's the best answer. Also, it's gross. I I don't disagree. <laughs> and and so it's funny. I never thought about the the private property versus per uh, personal pros, property uh, discourse and just stop not calling it private property anymore. Just calling it all property because yeah. it's all property. If you own it, it's all yep. property. I never I never really thought and- about that before. That goes for all hyph- that all that goes for all hyphenated property. The only the only adjective property that is valid is owned property and unowned property. All the other hyphens, intellectual property, that's a that's that's just making up fairy dust and pointing guns at people to to create a a new virtual property. Uh, uh, private property, personal property, these are just divisions that necessarily complicate the property ethic. So for example. Do you want me to go on a property rant? Yes, I don't please. know. I, yes. Show, man. <laughs> we still got like 20, okay. 20 minutes or more, man. You're good. Okay. So uh, why is property is a great question to ask. And I did a series of videos on, of this on my disenthrall channel. Property is a way of reducing the, the inherent rivalrous nature of scarce resources. Scarce meaning Resources that multiple people can't use at the same time. Rivalrous meaning people will fight over it if necessary because it's scarce. Only one person can use it at once. So that that breeds conflict. So we create property agreements between people to reduce the rivalrousness of property. The whole reason why property exists is to reduce that conflict, to reduce that rivalrousness over scarce resources. So when you're examining the different types of property agreements that people have created over the years, the way you want to rank them, the way you want to look at one and say, oh, that's a really good property ethic, whereas, oh, that's a terrible property ethic, is how good at, uh, is it at reducing the conflict and rivalrousness of scarce resources? So that's really easy to look at, right? You can look at the different types of points of contention in the rules. The more ways in which the rules are messy, subjective, um, or, uh, just like the more, the more little nitpicky rules, lawyery ways that somebody could, uh, take advantage of the rule set, the more rivalrousness that property ethic or that property rule set is going to be in comparison to another. So when you look at all the different ones available, you have the current statist one that we have now, which is obviously the worst property is pretty much whatever they say it is. They can take it if they want, which kind of makes it theirs too. all like they cl- they have a claim to all property ever. They make up new types of property in the form of uh, uh, patents and copyrights and bl- and uh, trademark and trade secret. Um, and uh, and then there's there's uh, there's also this sort of personal property, which they also personal property, the the body property that they claim ownership over as well. Like if, if you don't behave how they want you to behave, they will take this body property and throw it in a cage or kill it if you resist hard enough. Um, then moving down the scale, you could cross somewhere like the, the commies where they have uh, a set of rules that are based on usage of the property. Are you currently using the property? If so, then that's your personal property until it becomes the means of production. And then that doesn't belong to you exclusively anymore. That belongs to the community. Your your ownership is subject to the community democracy. Um, if you go on vacation for too long beyond an arbitrary day that the community decides that's too long, well, now you've uh, vacated the property, you've abandoned it, and now somebody else can move in what we would call squat on the property. They would call just moving in. <laughs> right. Yeah. They can, you know, take ownership of the property. There's all sorts of uh, convoluted contradictory, subjective is the big word here, subjective um, judgment calls and and uh, continuum problems built into the, to the communistic property ethic or rule set. 
that necessarily introduce additional points of rivalrousness into their property system. Moving down beyond that, as we continue down the list of sorting property ethics, you have the, the Lockean property norms, which is the, the big three rules that, that most libertarians are familiar with. Uh, get there first, make first use of it. It's another, it's kind of the same one. Get there first, make first use of it. Um, separate it from nature and mix your labor with it. Those are the big three Lockean property norms. Okay, well, those are three rules. A couple of them are kind of subjective. What does make first use of it mean? What does separate it from nature mean? Because like, what if the way you need to use the property requires that you cannot build a fence around it? Well, then you, you can't own property anymore? No, obviously not. They'll have They'll have messy subjective ways of drawing lines on maps to separate it from nature or whatever. Anyway, so what can we do? What have what has been done, I should say, to refine the three rules even more? And I think Stefan Kinsella did a lot of work in this space. Um, I've talked to him at great length about it, but I call it, and I don't know if if this is the best name for it or not, but I call it the Neo-Lockean property norm, which is just a single rule. Make first use of a piece of property. If you get there first and make first use of a piece of property, then you have the highest claim of ownership to that property. That is the most boiled down, least subjective, least arbitrary set of property rules imaginable that therefore, because it's reduced the points of contention down to just who got there first and can show that they used it first. Like that's one thing that's pretty easy and pretty clear to do. Like you can take a picture of yourself, you know, breaking ground on a new piece of property that you want to homestead, right? Uh, you reduce the rivalrousness maximally, which then makes that property ethic the best at being a property ethic or property norm. Sure, sure. So man, I thought I was, that's I, why I, the copies are wrong. Sorry. And I and I thought I was doing something cool by uh you know when I when I'm messaging libertarian markets to people uh, that are not libertarian, I I stopped calling them free markets and start, started calling them consumer driven markets, and. Uh, and uh, I thought I was doing something big, man. But it sounds like you you really went all in on that. That uh, you should write that in a book, man. Um, I'm intimidated by writing books, but yeah, I should. You'll you'll read everybody's <laughs> books on on audio, but yeah. you won't you won't write your own. Yeah, it's um, it's I I don't know. I'm I'm working through it. Remember, I was talking about self improvement. Sure. This is a sure. this is a real problem for me. Like it it feels. It feels hubristic and like full of oneself to to think that you could write something that's true enough to be a book. I don't know. So Me, anyway, meanwhile, I, Tom I Woods. To meanwhile, it. Tom Woods has put out a brand, you know written an entire new ebook just while we were on this 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 uh, yeah you know so um, yeah that's probably what, wrote one night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying in the 46 minutes we've been here chatting, uh, Tom Woods has already written another ebook. You know, and so you know what Walter Block helped me with this though, and like he actually may have said the thing that gets me over the hump. He said. That back when he was starting, before he wrote a book, when he was trying to, he was having this blocks, kind of the same, some of not the same blocks as me, but similar. And uh, somebody told him, look, here's what you do. You tell yourself, look, I'm just going to write this book. I'll make the next one perfect. I'll make the next one really good. This one, I'm just going to get it done. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write this one. The next one will be the, the really good one. It's like, oh, okay, okay. I can do that. I can just write this one. You know, it doesn't, this one doesn't have to be perfect. I can work on the next one. Um, the other thing is like, what if I'm wrong? Like I, I'm constantly worried that I'm wrong and I'm constantly checking my thinking and checking my reasoning. And uh, if I write a book, that's like frozen in stone for all time. Oh, look, Patrick was wrong and we have a record of it. 
but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like ways to maybe use the internet to like, you know, Hey, you're reading this book, but you need to go check this website to see if I've had any updates. I might've been wrong. You know, so I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you could always, you could always have the backup plan, write the book, then get heavily involved in politics. When your name is big enough in politics, uh, if your book was wrong, they'll just memory hole it and no one will ever find out about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see several problems with that plan. Yeah. For me. <laughs> you could do a book like, uh, do, do a book like this, this wonderful book here. Did I just break something? I did. Uh, egalitarianism as a revolt against nature and other essays. You could just make a bunch of essays, you know, little essays, huh. put them in a book. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My friend Shepard has written like two books uh, in the past like year. And I'm just like, well, how do you people do this? I don't know. I'm working on it though. I'm working yeah. on it. So this is self-work. We got to do, we got to become better. I've legitimately started like four books, four. Yeah. And uh, I'll get like through a chapter or two and then I'm like, uh, I get bored, stop writing. And I'm extremely ADHD, like really, really bad. So it's, it's very hard yeah. for me to write. I'm, I'm a decent writer, but I just can't, you know what I mean? I start writing and then it's like, uh, I think I'm gonna start a different book, you know, and then I'll start another book. So I have like, I have like eight chapters of four different books or something, man. So <laughs> that is a lot more than I've gotten. I've I, the most I've done is write articles, and it only happens when um, because I have ADHD as well, ADD. I don't know which one, but um, uh, it's only when somebody pisses me off that I get motivated enough to actually write an article. Sure. So all of my articles are kind of cantankerously written. They're like. Meh. <laughs> yeah, dude, the angry, angry articles. Mine were always all, so. I did a couple articles for Think Liberty. One was uh, 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 why philosophy matters, which was like this was when I was really heavily first big time, like really into reading philosophy quite a bit. And I was like, man, this shit really matters. Like, this is an important part of what we're doing here. You know what I mean? And it was like, and and it was a, it kind of took a spin on why it's important to read our adversaries' philosophies as well so that we can understand them. Yep. You know, the people like Kropotkin and, and Bakunin and, and uh, Proudhon and these people that I started reading too because I was like, well, if I'm going to argue against these mutualists who sound really cool, you know, nice and jovial and good when they're talking, and I need to understand their philosophy if I'm going to argue from my own philosophy to them. Um, so that I wrote that article, and then I wrote another one about how radical we should be, and it was like, it was, you know, it basically came to the conclusion of you should be as radical as you want to be. Uh, but I, I, you know, it was the same thing. Crossbard would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was the same thing. I'd start, uh, I'd start writing, I'd start writing these, uh, these essays and I'd get halfway done with them and I'd be like, no, you know what? I got another idea. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to write, man. Especially when you're, especially when you're having some ADD, man, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. So, uh, so what's next for Patrick Smith, man? What are you doing? How many? Next? Hold on. How many other bad? How many other Smiths are involved in this movement? Well, there's me, you, and Dave for sure. I think we're all cousins. Okay. I'm pretty sure that there's. there's we need to do there. something. We need to get the Smiths together and like make a Smiths consortium. How cool would that and, that would be great. What what if we all just did our own we, essay and put a book together and just called it the Smiths? Smiths, yes, <laughs> Smiths. For that's great <laughs> essays by essays with smith i mean it, there's so many different takes we can do yeah. on it but that's a hey yeah, we yeah. can all write a chapter it, we know we can do a chapter <laughs> yeah i like yeah, it yeah, yeah so uh what's, uh what's next for me what's next um, for patrick i uh i'm at a place in my life right now i've taken the last like five years off three years off uh from uh entrepreneurship 
to really focus on activism. And uh, I've tried all the types of activism under the sun. I've tried street activism, you know, the homeless stuff that I've done. I've tried, uh, I mean, I, I still do that. It's amazing. I've tried political activism. I've tried media creation type activism. Um, I have fun with a lot of it. I've, it's shown me like a lot of the different... I, I think I'm I have a perspective that not many people have just because I've done everything and not just dabbled in everything. I've tried every form and method of activism to change the world or improve things known to man. I, I peaceful parenting university when I try and teach people to be uh, better principled parents. Um, parenting is one of the most powerful forms of activism. I've worked really hard on that as well. I'm at a, I'm at a place where I have a perspective on all the different types of activism and how you can and can't change the world. And, um, and I, I'm afraid that it's time for me to sort of rejoin the capitalist class and actually be productive again. Um, productive in the sense of, look, it's time for me to focus on my family. We've just come from, you know, through a hard several years. It's time for me to, you know, put some zeros back on the bank account and, um, make myself somebody that is, will, is, is respectable enough that somebody might be interested in caring about their opinions. And so, uh, I think over the next year or two, that will be my focus to really kind of get back into productive entrepreneurial, uh, technology businesses. Um, I'm going to have to try and refactor my, my other, my forms of activism to, to try and make it fit. Just like you were talking to me, uh, before the show started, you know, you have a job that, takes up a lot of your time and then you come home and you try and find time to run this show. Dude, I feel that. I, f I feel that big time. So as soon as I, when, when I, when I get into a business, it, uh, it takes over my entire brain and my entire life and all of my motivations and thoughts and energies go towards competing in the market, towards destroying my rivals and my competitors and, and being as successful as I possibly can. So I don't know what that's going to mean for the channels and for the, the different kinds of activism, but, um, I definitely am going to attempt to do what you're doing and find a way to keep them going. Sure, man. Yeah. But that's what's next. For well, and that was, that was an important thing for me, man. I, I spent four years traveling, you know, I was all over this damn country. I didn't, I went to 40 States. I spoke behind Ron Paul. I got to do all this great shit. And then I, uh, in one year built this giant family and it was like, I don't have yeah. time. I don't have time to do that shit anymore. I got, I got eight dependents, man. Uh, so this, this show was my way of, being able to continue my activism and continue my work uh, from my basement, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. And I got to figure out what that means for me. I don't know what it means. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm 50, 50 on doing not governor again here in Texas. We'll see how that goes. I haven't uh, formally announced. Uh, I don't really think, I mean, I, I kind of did. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, it, it's, the, the political activism, in and this is a perspective that I, I can give you from having tried all the different types of activism of known to man, um, political activism is the most time intensive, and uh, in terms of returns, it's somewhere in the middle in True. terms of creating new actual principled voluntarists and, and waking people up. It, but it, man, it takes so much. Like you know, you, you couldn't tour the country anymore. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's a right uh, a good fit for me right now. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely, I, well, man. I mean, I'm not walking away from Anarchast, though. I love that too much. Yeah, and you can't, man. You can't. You guys, like, you ran the whole Anarcho Poco, like, channel this year. I, I did, uh, like, three hours of of the uh, official stream each day for four days. That was really fun. That's yeah. so cool, man. What, what an awesome uh, chance that is for you, man. I'm sure, I'm sure you enjoyed it. This is, like, what, your third 
third year with with uh, Anarchopoco, fourth year? Yeah, I spoke the past two years, and then this year I did the special Anarchast live streams for the event. Yeah, that's uh, cool, the man. first year I spoke about building communities, um, building building communities of like minded people where you live, so that you're not feeling so alone. Because it's easy for uh, principled people to just feel surrounded by zombies, especially with all the masks that we see these days. Like you just really, it's just like. It brings it front and center right up in your face just how weird you are thinking that you should be able to control your own body. And um, it's important to to build communities of, of people around you that are good people that don't want to control you and that can be there for you when you need them. Uh, so the first talk was about that. The second one was all about the Peaceful Parenting University and telling um, – I don't know if you've seen that talk I did last year. It was uh, It was telling the story of my daughter in a couple of the – times that we went to the hospital for her leukemia treatment and relating how principled parenting not only plays a role in helping her get through that less damaged than most other kids, but is just fundamental to every interaction that you should have with your kid. True. Realizing that, look, they own themselves and they are, they are as sovereign as you are. And the way that you raise a kid from principles is you embrace that instead of trying to ignore it or or scuttle it like a lot of parents do. So that was the second talk that I did there. And nice. then this year I just got to interview a bunch of badasses. Yeah, yeah, that was super cool. Can, can we talk a little bit more about that? I don't know how comfortable you are, but before the show, sure. uh, like I said, I stayed, I stayed with Pat. Uh, this was back in, what, 2018, so it's been three years now. I stayed with Pat and his daughter was uh, going go, – Patrick and his daughter was going through that. Um, and, and you, Patrick and I hadn't really spoke much over the last year or so. And, uh, so I was afraid to ask and I was, I was, uh, very happy to hear that he, you know, I was like, how's the family? And Patrick said healthy. And that was, I mean, I literally, it literally brought a tear to my eye, man. I was crying before the show started because your uh, girl is an amazing, amazing little girl. Definitely. She's, she's adorable and awesome. And it's how long has it been now? Uh, she has, uh, it's been, I forget what the specific count is, but it's been since it's been a year and a half since she's had a positive leukemia test and she ended she finished her last chemo treatment uh, like four or five months ago. So we are she's starting to come off of the effects of the years of chemo and she's starting to build muscle again and and act like a kid again and be happy again. And it's, we're all sort of trying to remember what it's like to live like normal people. Sure. And it's, it's, it's been interesting and exciting. It's been good. And we're you, in a good place right now. And she gets to go camping for the first time soon. What you told me. Yes. So when you're in, when you're in chemo, uh, you have, you have zero immune system. And so any little bacteria or fungus, fun, there's a lot of fungus in dirt can be absolutely life-threatening. And so we had to keep her away from dirt for three years. Uh, so, I, and when this all started, she was only three. Right. So she has almost no memory of like going out and playing in the mud or, you know, splashing in puddles in the rain or anything like that. She had, she was too young at the time. She's never done any of that until like a couple weeks ago. She got to go out in the backyard after it rained and just smash around in the, in the, in the puddles and, and we're going camping, so we're going to go out in the dirt and camp. And, yeah, man, we're we're rediscovering living life. It's good shit. Oh, it's man. good shit. So happy to hear, man. So happy to hear. Yeah. That's that's great, Pat, Patrick. I really – man, I, I'm going to start crying again. I'm going to stop. I'm a very sentimental dude. I don't know how many people know that about me, but I'm a pretty sentimental guy. I got that from my mama. Thanks, Mom. Uh, 
But anyways, man, why don't you tell people how, where? How, how's your situation? All right, if we got if we got to wrap up, I'll shut up. No, that's cool. Uh, my situation's cool. I, I the the people on my show know my situation. I I a uh, year one year ago, I was a bachelor uh, living with my best friend in a track home in California. Um, and uh, one year, I now have uh, a fiance, beautiful fiance, uh, and seven children living in my home. So uh, f- they all range from ages uh, sixteen down to. Uh, about two months now um, is the the youngest and and then uh, but that's my granddaughter. I actually have a granddaughter now. Uh, my my sixteen year old daughter has wow. a daughter. So um, and then my son was born four months ago. So you know that's her uncle who's two and a half months older than her. So it's uh it's been a wild wild ride, man. And and uh, how long ago did all that begin? How long ago did all that happen? Well, I mean, my daughter. You know, my daughter didn't live with me, uh, and she's sixteen. But um, I moved. I met, so this is, it is a whirlwind story. I haven't actually told the story much, but I, I met my fiance at uh, the Iowa State Convention last year. Mm. Um, and then we, she came and met up with me at a couple other conventions. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. She met up with me at a couple other conventions, and then I flew home from the Illinois State Convention, um, intending to try and figure out how we could see each other again, and they started shutting down uh, conventions for, for the COVID, you know. And, uh, I, it, I ended up getting a headache and not feeling so good. And I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I didn't have COVID, but I called my work and I was like, look, I, I've been flying at, in and out of San Francisco airport every single weekend since January. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I don't feel great there. You have to get a COVID test. Okay. Well, I'll try to do that because I worked at a nursing home. Right. And, uh, yeah, they were at the time they That's were only, yeah. 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 And at the time they were only testing 500 people a day in the entire state of California. And they would only give you a test okay. if you were basically dying, right? Okay. And so I tried to get a test for, you know, all day the next day. I'm trying to find out how I can get a test. And they're like, sir, we're not going to give you a test. So I call back my work and I'm like, look, I don't think I have this, whatever this is, but they will not test me. Well, you can't come back to work until you get tested. So I said, mm, well, yeah. then you're going to have to find yourself a new maintenance director. I hopped on a plane, flew back to Iowa to quarantine with my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, I never left, man. And so we, uh, we got pregnant in April. Um, she already had two daughters. Uh, and then I was lucky enough back in October to, uh, get guardianship of my daughter and then her two younger siblings, uh, that are not ours biologically. So that, that made, that made five. And then, uh, no, that made one, two, three, four, five. And then we had my son, uh, New Year's Eve, that made six. And then my granddaughter was born the day after my birthday, March 14th, that made seven. And so, um, and my crazy ass fiance is like, when can we have our next one? And I'm like, never. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you learned over the past year? What oh, has man. been the thing, like if you wanted to pass down some wisdom from somebody in that crazy situation, what have, have you any, learned? I don't have any wisdom, man. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm still, I'm still learning every day. Like I'm not... You know, I, I'm not perfect. I've never had the opportunity. Um, if anybody's ever followed me, I never had the opportunity really to be a parent. Uh, you know, I had a kid, but I never got the opportunity that I, that I needed. Um, and I went from, from zero to a hundred real fast. And so I'm still learning, man, but I, I do, I do. You know who the first person was that said they had no wisdom? Oh, who? Socrates. Of course. Of course. Very, that's a very wise thing to say. Yeah. You were, you as you have no wisdom, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just learning as I go, man, and uh, and you know I I want to take you know, Julie is really big on the peaceful parenting, um, 
uh, aspect Good. of things, and I and I, you know, it's definitely a, a a role that I like to take. I'm not perfect. I still have my days with seven kids. It's hard. I'm working twelve hour shifts every day. I come home and there's like kids running and screaming and yelling. It's like the uh, what was that uh, that that uh, that movie where the two uh, people came together and they had like a like fifteen kids together. What was that damn movie? Yeah, I don't even remember. Anyways, that's what's like. And so uh, I'm still learning. It's a, it's definitely. There's a there's a steep curve there, but I'm I'm I get better a little better every day, and I'm starting to figure it out, and I'm starting to realize that there's some situations that require tough love, but never um, anger or violence. You know what I mean? And so yeah, um, it's uh, I will give you I will give you like a free access account to the Peaceful Parenting University if you're interested in that. I would I, I would it, love that. Okay. Yeah, I would. I, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I would love. Yeah, it. I want it's, anything I can do. Uh, to learn to be a better parent is is an important step for me. So, um, and Julie is amazing. I mean, it, you know, she she's taught me a ton. Um, she's an amazing, amazing mom, and she is one of those you know uh, free range parents too. You know what I mean? And and peaceful parenting yeah. and stuff. So, uh, it's been it's been extremely helpful for me. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. All man. right. Oh. Well, shit. Hey, yeah. work in the. Pe- I, sorry, I, you're interviewing me. What the hell? Dude. I can't see. I, I'm so used to interviewing other people. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I, I, we got a couple more super chats. Uh, Quest Fanning, thank you for the super chat. Quest Fanning, uh, two super chats. He said, "We're done with the national gaslighting. The principles of liberty are inherent to our American hearts. We're gonna win the future." God, I hope so, sir. What do you What do you think? We're gonna win the future, Patrick. I think it is inevitable. Yeah. It might not be soon. But I think it's inevitable. If you zoom out far enough, if you zoom, if you zoom out to the, you know, three to five thousand year zoom level, then you see a, a trend line straight towards liberty. Sure, sure, I agree. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on, Patrick. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours, and, I, and I'm very, very proud to call you friend. Where can all these people find you, and where should they be looking? Well, I have uh, two shows, one where we interview a bunch of anarchists doing a bunch of different anarchist things all over the map, uh, all different types of activists. That's Anarchast. And then we also have Disenthrall, which if you're a philosophy nerd, if you want to work on yourself, if you want to improve yourself, if you want to learn about moral philosophy and and um, all of that kind of fun stuff, then that is Disenthrall is the name of that show. And you can find links to both of those shows at disenthrall.me slash platforms. That's the best place to find links to everything. Sure, sure. And, of course, you can always follow him on Twitter at NotGovernor because he is yep. the man. I, I, uh, again, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I, I can't wait to see you again, sir. Sure, man. Look forward to it. Take it easy. All right, guys, another awesome show. I'm a huge fan of Patrick. Please go follow his shows. Uh, he is amazing. Like I said, I have learned a ton of philosophy from this man. Uh, if you're not paying attention to him, you should be doing that every single day. Uh, I am definitely happy that he was ag- agreeable to coming on my very little small podcast. Uh, but anyways, let's see what we got going on. Of course, we got our sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee. For all your delicious Italian coffee needs, use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. TopLobster.com, the man for all of your wonderful graphic needs. Go give this man your money. Uh, check him out and also use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. My mama gave us a super chat. I love you, son. I'm sorry, Michael Bolden. I didn't mean to miss you. Hadn't seen my aunt in four years. She was very upset that she missed the Michael Bolden episode. They have become great friends through my chat. Uh, coming up next. (laughs) 
Uh, coming up next week, we have uh, 5.11, we have Magnus Panvidia, uh, which is going to be an interesting next show because we just had a discussion about bottom unity, and I guess he is big on the bottom unity, so we will see if we can get an other side of that argument uh, coming on, I believe that's Monday or Tuesday. Uh, on 5.12, we have Isabella Riley. Uh, she's from PragerU and uh, pretty big on TikTok, from what I understand. And, of course, on 5.14, we have Monica Perez from the Pop Propaganda Report. I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation about uh, uh, all of the conspiracies that the government are trying to pull on us all the time. Please check out the Patreon at patreon.com backslash BreakTheCycleJS. If you're not a fan of Patreon because they're super yeety with uh, you know wrong thinkers, you can always check me out at subscribestar.com backslash BreakTheCycleJS. Of course, you can find my podcast in video form on Odyssey where you can give me crypto, um, but it's also a good platform. They're not going to yeet people for wrong thinks, so definitely go over there, sign up, start using Odyssey at every chance you get, and you can listen to my podcast in audio forum on all of the podcatchers, uh, except for like one or two, and uh, I'm working on getting us up there too. So uh, I appreciate you guys. I will see you on Tuesday. Uh, hold hold on one second. Wait, wait, we're not done yet. Hold on. Go ahead, buddy. Patrick said he wants to I say one wanna, thing here. I I just want to point out I've interviewed I've I've invited four bottom unity people to debate me. Zero out of four have taken me up on it. Including Magnus? The guy you're about to interview called me a shitbag. Okay. So uh I'll make sure luck. He, I'll make sure he knows. We'll see if we could set that up. Yeah, he's one of the four. No. He's a zero. Okay. Good luck. Okay. We'll see what happens. Anyways, I'm gonna get back to ending the show now, Patrick. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up. Love you to death, man. Uh yeah, so I will see you guys on Tuesday. Uh, for that show, maybe we'll bring up Patrick and see if we can't goad him into an awesome debate. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. I Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse and refrain But I just spent it in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just spent it in Minecraft Lord Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There's nothing I mean, you know it No product finish gets it close to COVID